Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello, greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all the Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher, and I'm a Dynasty Freak. That means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So to you, so let's talk some Dynasty. On episode number 157, we're going to review uh, week number five. Can't believe it. Week number five. We're like a third of the way through the entire season right now. And so now it's probably going to be time to start making some moves, uh, trading away, figuring out what kind of team you have. Going to be fun in our Dynasty League, but it, it really was a fun uh, week of football, uh, I thought, this week. There were many games that you know were coming down to the wire with game-winning drives and field goals both made and missed. Uh, sadly, there was also a week this week with many injuries, including several quarterbacks, which always stinks from a fantasy perspective. Uh, there were surprise active players and inactive players, leaving some, in, at least in my league, some normally active owners in my leagues mistakenly started inactive players like Chris Carson and Dalvin Cook. Uh, even so, it was an incredibly high-scoring uh, week of fantasy football. Sure was fun. Uh, my teams didn't fare so well this week. Um, I think I'm going to finish 4-6. and six unless somehow Latavius Murray scores 30 points tonight, which we all know is very, very unlikely. Um, I was the highest scoring team in several leagues this week, and I was also beat by the highest scoring team in a few leagues, and two of my teams were killed by some of the injuries this week. So as I always like to remind myself at the end of a weekend, I remind myself that win or lose, it's a joy to watch football and to cheer on our dynasty teams. Uh, Try to keep that perspective for sure. So after following all the games this week, um, here are going to be a few of my Uh, initial thoughts on players and situations and how they've impacted the dynasty value uh, of our teams and um, unless I you know a player or situation demands it I try to uh, talk about players that I haven't talked about in recent weeks but in some cases you got to talk about the same teams just because there was something so demanding that you had to talk about so I'm going to do 10 observations give a couple waiver wire picks for this next week and then I only have one trade in my leagues this week so I'll just talk about that one trade I'm sure that the trades are going to pick up uh, pretty quickly now that teams might start to know what kind of team they are rebuilding or competing. Let's talk about 10 observations. Uh, number one, I'll call it all kinds of trouble in Seattle. Uh, Chris Carson was a last minute scratch and Russell Wilson left the game Thursday night with a fractured finger. Um, he's already had surgery and is expected to miss at least four weeks. Uh, Geno Smith played okay, like admirably, coming in Thursday night cold and he connected with one you know, touchdown pass to DK Metcalf, but there's no doubt that this offense and each of the fantasy values of the Seahawks will take a hit over the next month, that's for sure. I do think DK Metcalf may be able to produce, you know, as a bigger body receiver that Smith might trust, but I think the connection between Wilson and Lockett that they have with one another is not going to be reproducible with Smith. What's worse is how the Seahawks defense is playing. Pete Carroll, known for having all these great defenses over the years, they're giving up a league-high 450 yards per game, and they gave up 476 yards to the Rams on Thursday night. I think a less productive offense under Smith will make the defense even worse. And from a fantasy perspective, uh, you know, bad defense can lead to garbage time points in the offense, which is really something that Wilson did well, but I don't think that Smith is going to be able to do so. Things are looking down for almost all, well, definitely all, maybe the exception to DK Metcalf or Seattle, at least over the next month. Next thing I'll mention, uh, observation was Joe Burrow 
is only making one player great on the Bengals. Um, I had really high expectations for the four Bengals players going into the season with a healthy Joe Burrow returning to lead the team. I expected Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd to have a great season and really be reliable starters in fantasy lineups. Uh, Mixon and Boyd uh, had great fantasy weeks in week one and four, respectively. But other than that, they've been mediocre um, along with T. Higgins. Only Jamar Chase has been a consistent from a fantasy perspective. Uh, he caught half of Burrow's 10 touchdown passes this season, and he's a big play waiting to happen, that's for sure. He scored a 70-yard touchdown on Sunday. Uh, Higgins played on Sunday after recovering from an injury the last two weeks, but he was not very productive. He, he Even though he had seven targets, uh, he only had five catches for 32 yards, and he dropped a touchdown pass too. I still believe in Higgins of all these of all these players, and I feel like he has to stay in the starting lineups because of his touchdown upside. But I do th- I do think that he's going to bounce back some this season. On the other hand, Boyd is just not involved as I would have considered him to be, and just think that he's probably benchable unless Higgins is out with an injury, which was the only time he had a good game this season. Um, Mixon uh, he was a surprise active on Sunday, but it was Samaj P. Ryan who doubled his snap count. I'm assuming the Bengals were trying to limit Mixon's touches, and once he's 100%, he'll go back to dominating the backfield. But that said, I took a look at his snap count, and it's declined every single week since he had that one great week in week one. His touches have dropped. I said snap count. I meant his touches. His touches have dropped from 33 to 21 to 19 to 17 to 11. That's very concerning uh, to see, making me not really want to trust Mixon right now as a starter until I see that change happen. Third thing I'll uh, point out is a disappointing day for the Vikings. Uh, After starting the season on fire in weeks one, two, and three, the Vikings offense has sputtered the last two weeks. They were dominated by the Browns' strong defense last week, and this week they were surprisingly challenged by the 0-5 Lions defense. The Vikings have only scored two touchdowns in the previous two weeks. That's crazy. That after scoring nine the first three weeks. So averaging three touchdowns a week as an offense, now they've only scored two in the previous uh, two weeks. Uh, their oh no, their lack of production is costing Justin Jefferson um, and Adam Thielen managers games. Uh, Thielen scored four touchdowns this you know in weeks one and two or one through three, but has not scored or had more than 46 yards receiving since. Uh, he didn't have a single catch yesterday until the final game-winning field goal drive, when the Lions were basically just allowing um, you know underneath passes, uh, hoping that they could stop them to make a long field goal chain, uh, try. Cousins uh, only has eyes for Jefferson the last uh, two weeks. He's kept him productive, but not as productive as you know a top five dynasty receiver is. Like we want him to be even producing more than he is. And it's true that Dalvin Cook did not play this Sunday, and he was limited and pulled from the game last week. And Al- but Alexander Madison's played fine in his absence, so it's hard to blame the poor offensive play solely on Cook's injury. Uh, something's broken in this offense right now. I think. I think it might be linked to the fact that their defense is actually playing better. In the last three games, um, in the first three games, they were in shootouts because their defense gave up so many points. But the last two weeks, their defense held opponents to 14 and 17 points. I think if the Vikings' defense continues to improve and keep games low scoring, I think Coach Zimmer, defensive-minded guy, he's happy to play conservatively and have that happen. So keep an eye on Minnesota's defense. If their defense keeps playing great, expect a lower output from the Minnesota offense altogether. Next observation is that the Saints, their stats are very deceptive. The Saints did score 33 points on Sunday, but there's a bit of deception to those numbers. Jameis Winston scored 28 fantasy points on Sunday, but he did so on the back of a Hail Mary touchdown at the end of the first half, 
and the speed of Deontay Harris and Alvin Kamara, who both received uh, long touchdown passes from him based on their speed. Uh, you can't make the, take those plays away from Winston. I'm not trying to say you can do that. But I just don't think games like this are sustainable. Uh, Washington's defense has surprisingly been one of the worst in the league, giving up the sixth most yards to teams. Um, they gave away big plays on Sunday, um, but they also held Winston to just 50% completion rate, something now that Winston's done twice this season already, had two games with only a 50% uh, completion rate. Winston's one of my most rostered players. I have to I hate to admit it. Uh, picked him up so many leagues when he was doing awesome for Tampa from a fantasy perspective. Uh, but I've yet to put him in the starting lineup this whole year. Uh, to Coach Payton's credit, uh, they did uh, draw up, you know, more. They drew up more passing plays to Kamara this week, who didn't have a single target last week, but this week he had eight. I think if Kamara gets back to the target share that he had for all those years with Drew Brees, only then would I consider starting Winston. For now, Kamara really is the only startable player for the Saints, in my opinion. Similarly, another team that really just has one uh, reliable player, I'll say that the Titans only have one reliable player. Uh, Derrick Henry is a beast. It's unbelievable that he can continue to stay healthy while maintaining such a ridiculous workload. So since the Titans' week one loss, when Henry only had 20 touches, his workload has increased to 41, 31, 35, and 29, and then the Titans have won three out of those four games when they've done that. Uh, his involvement his involvement may be directly related to Julio Jones and A.J. Brown injuries, but I don't think so. Uh, the play-action passes that their former offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, drew up uh, last year that made the Titans' uh, offense efficient for fantasy uh, are just not happening this year. Tannehill has had only one game with more than one touchdown pass this season, and I'm not sure it's going to change. Uh, if it were not for the touchdown pass in game one, A.J. Brown would be averaging just three fantasy points per game depressing. That's so frustrating because Brown's one of my favorite players in the league, and he'll surely have an explosive game or two very soon in the season. I'm sure of that. But with the roster, you know, it's just, we're not sure what they're going to do week to week. It's a, It sure is a blast to watch Derrick Henry completely dominate teams, but it's sad to see a player like Brown, who is every bit as capable of dominating a team, not being allowed uh, to do so because of their offensive game planning. Next observation, I'll say, uh, I got what I expected from Trey Lance. Um, I've seen exactly what I expected from Trey Lance the last two weeks. He completes just 50% of his passes, and his only fantasy value really comes from his legs. Uh, he'll have time to improve this season, and I think still holds tremendous dynasty value, but he's going to need to improve to become one of those you know, elite quarterbacks that we want him to be. I think just modest improvement in his accuracy within like the next year could lead to the type of improvement that we've seen this year with Jalen Hurts who's shown this year uh, that he's a top three fantasy quarterback on the season, mostly because of his legs, but a slight increase in his accuracy. Lance is worth starting in lineups just because of his rushing yards, but he'll um, bring down the in-season value of the rest of the offense, I think. Debo Samuel caught one long, you know, wide-open touchdown pass last week, but this week he only managed three catches out of nine targets, so largely based on Lance's inaccuracy. Thankfully, Debo did uh, manage a touchdown on the ground when he lined up as a running back. It's pretty funny. Um, other than that, the rest of the offense provided no fantasy value this week, and the team only scored one touchdown. Um, I'd expect much of the same in the coming weeks, uh, for sure. I wouldn't want. I wouldn't be too surprised even if Jimmy Garoppolo gets a, another opportunity to start after recovering from his in injury. The 49ers have a bye week this week, so I'm sure that the all options will be considered. Everything will be on the table. Uh, after the second mediocre performance 
uh, from Lance. Good for Dynasty, but bad for the team. So we'll see what they decide to do. Next one pangs me to say, but I'll say that I am I was wrong and right about Kadarius Tony. Uh, during the rookie draft po- process uh, this last year, I was very low on Tony, but as were most analysts, I thought of him as more of a gadget guy in the NFL, and uh, I had concerns about his character given some of his college history. Uh, but on Sunday, Kenny Galladay was blanketed by Trayvon Diggs, so the Cowboys. And so Tony was about the only player that Daniel Jones targeted before he had to leave the game because of a concussion. Then backup quarterback Mike Glennon did this, the same, uh, even after Galladay left the game. And Trayvon Diggs then started manning up on Tony. It didn't matter. Tony was awesome. He cut 10 of uh, the Giants' 21 completed passes, so 50% of the, basically of the completed passes he caught. And he had 34% of the team's overall target share in the game. Ended the game with 189 yards and looked like a legitimate starting wide receiver, not a gadget guy like I thought. Um, it's only one breakout week, but I think I'm willing to say that I could be very wrong on Tony and will live to regret actually never drafting him, even though he did fall in almost all my rookie drafts. Um, I, at the same time, I said I was right, because I'm also saying maybe I was right about his character. Um, he uh, showed displayed that as well on Sunday. There was two things that happened. Uh, after an apparent injury, while being treated by the medical staff, he started yelling and and then he rose to his feet. And when he did, he knocked the trainer attending to him right in the head, uh, just being a punk and not caring about the people that were caring for him. And then you all know this part too. Later, on a big play, on a critical drive, uh, he retaliated against a cowboy player who did wrongfully throw him to the ground. But he should have just taken it like a man, taken the penalty. Instead, he gets up and he throws a punch and he gets disqualified uh, from the game not the Cowboy. So in one game, we saw the very best and the very worst of Tony. Uh, we'll see which side of him uh, gets the best of him going forward. But right now, I'd say I was both right and wrong on Tony. Next thing I'll say is that the Cleveland backs are every week starters, uh, but no one else is on that team. I actually won a game this week in a league where my two starting running backs were Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Just put it both in the lineup. And I think that there's going to be plenty uh, that I think these are going to be the starting two running backs for the rest of the season on that team that I have. They combined to score 49 points this week and give me that win. Uh, Chubb finally had his long touchdown run that managers came to expect and really rely on uh, from him last year. His 52-yard touchdown uh, contributed to his 161 yards rushing. Uh, Hunt had the two goal line carries and five receptions in the game. So here's the difference between these two. Chubb averages 19 touches per game compared to Hunt's 14 but their snap count is actually much closer, 52% for Chubb and 44% for Hunt. But Hunt's more involved in the passing game, with 17 receptions compared to Chubb's five, and Hunt actually appears to be getting more of the goal line carries uh, with four touchdowns from inside the eight-yard line so far compared to Chubb's just one. Uh, Cleveland is committed to running game. That's what they're doing. They're the first in the league when it comes to rushing attempts, and then Baker Mayfield is currently 24th most in passing attempts in the league, and seems to be unable to make his pass catchers fantasy viable, including Odell Beckham Jr., who manages two receptions for the second week in a row. Uh, Mayfield's tight ends are his best weapons, but you never know uh, who you're, who to start. Uh, David Njoku, Austin Hooper, or Harrison Bryant. This week was Njoku, who uh, was the best, on a set, had a 71-yard touchdown catch and run for a touchdown. Uh, but so far this season, the Browns are just not facing incredible. When they're not facing incredible quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, like they did in Week One and like they did this week, then they seem to dominate the teams uh, with their defense and their running game. And that's what I think they intend to do, and they're going to be able to do so most weeks when they're not facing the likes of Mahomes or Herbert. 
Next thing, have two more here. Uh, this depresses me pretty bad, but I'll say that Keenan Allen's targets don't amount to much. Uh, Keenan Allen is my most rostered player. For years, I've relied on him as his consistent targets from Phillip Rivers. Um, and then his dynasty value dipped just a little bit last year when the prospect of Tyrod Taylor, Taylor leading the offense. But when Justin Herbert came in and became the starter, Allen's dynasty value really rose to the highest level of his career, in my opinion. Uh, Herbert only had eyes for Allen last year, making him the second most targeted receiver in targets per game with 10.5. This year, his targets are actually up, believe it or not. They're 11.1, which is third in the NFL, or 11.0. Uh, the only problem is that his targets have been far less uh, valuable this season for some reason, and it really doesn't make sense why. His average depth of target has moved up from 7.18 to 8.41, so that should point to good things. His yards per game are actually slightly up from 70 yards to 73 yards, but his fantasy points per game are down from 13.9 to 12. And much of this slight regression could be blamed on Mike Williams, who scored six touchdowns to Allen's one, uh, thus scoring more fantasy points per game. Uh, every week I keep hoping that the scoring between these two is going to even out, but it just doesn't look like it, even though Allen's getting all these targets. Uh, Williams and Allen, I don't know if it's going to even out. It's frustrating to have a share of one of the best offenses in the league and just get an average 12 points per game instead of the 18, 18, 29, and 32 breakout point games that Williams has had. I'm trying to be content with the safe floor that Allen provides, but I'd really like to see more from him, especially in this incredibly powerful offense. Similarly, the 10th thing that I'll mention here is that the Bills are on fire, but Stefan Diggs is not. Like Keenan Allen, Stefan Diggs is one of the most potent, he's on one of the most potent offenses in the league, but it's not showing up in his stats. Like he's not getting the shares of all this fantasy scoring that's happening in there. Diggs is sixth in the league in targets per game with 10.5, which is barely more than the season he averaged last year. Last year, he was 10.4. But his fantasy point scoring, uh, he's at 11.4 points per, per game compared to last year when he was 16.7. That's massive disappointment for those who have him on their teams and rode him to dynasty championships last year like I did in one league. The fact is just that Emmanuel Sanders and Dawson Knox have each scored more points than Diggs uh, this, this season. Uh, presenting a huge problem for Diggs from a fantasy perspective, even while it makes the Bills a very tough team to defend. My hopes that teams now, you know, this point in the season are going to begin to game plan against Knox and Sanders some too, instead of just solely focusing on Diggs. Uh, but I don't know if they're going to do that. I'm uncertain whether they will. Uh, generally, I believe in following targets because I think in time, they almost always result in the better fantasy points. It's still a, a you know philosophy that I follow, but Allen and Diggs are defying the odds so far, and that's defying the odds in a bad way. Bummer. Those are some of my uh, thoughts from this last week. Um, let me get, move now to talking about the waiver wire. Uh, pretty pretty bad week this week on the waiver wire, but I do have one player that I'm definitely going to try to pick up and a few more that I'm interested in. Uh, as a reminder, I do play in 27 to 30-man roster leagues, and so if, if you're not in a deep league like this, there's certainly better players to pick up. But if you play in true dynasty leagues, 27 to 30-man rosters. These are a couple of the players that I'd consider picking up off the waiver wire this week. First is Donald Parham. Uh, Parham scored in consecutive weeks, touchdown each of the last two weeks. He's not getting many targets, but he is being used heavily in the red zone, which you like to see. What's more important is that he's getting more snaps than I expected at the start of the season. He had 50% of the snaps this season so far. That's way higher than I would have thought. And Jared Cook's only receiving, you know, modestly higher 60% of the snaps. So Cooks is definitely dominating Parham in targets, 27 to, or 26 to 7. Pretty drastic there. But I could see them, as the season draws out, 
um, drawing more and more toward letting uh, Parham get more of the snaps and even more of the targets. Uh, both of their contracts expire at the end of this season, uh, so the Chargers, I think, will really want to see what they get in both of them, and they will try to provide the opportunity so that they can actually decide which of them they want to sign long-term, if any. Um, I believe that they'd prefer to sign Parham just based on the fact that he's 10 years younger than Cook. So I look for more opportunities for Parham as the season goes on. I would love to add him uh, to my rosters just as a stash uh, here at this point of the season. Two more guys I'd consider picking up. Uh, one would be uh, James Washington. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster was lost for the season on Sunday after injuring his shoulder. And Washington, I believe, really has the most to gain from this loss. And I think he will be the third wide receiver when they're in 11 personnel. Uh, he is recovering from a groin injury right now, but it may, he might have been actually active to play this week. But once Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson were cleared to play, there was really no need to try to get Washington into the game plan, so he was inactive. Um, it's hard to expect you know, much in this season from a wide receiver three on the Steelers, uh, but I could see Washington as a viable flex play you know, when you're in a pinch or when these bye weeks are coming up. He's you know, in the last year of his contract too, so his dynasty value is pretty uncertain, but he could help a team... Uh, this year as injuries continue to mount. So I think I would make a bid or two on Washington if I had a player that I'm willing to drop. Third and really just the last player that I recommend for this week would be Quez Watkins. Um, after an incredible preseason, uh, Watkins has only had one breakout game in week two when he had that really long touchdown catch. But he's still an active part of the Eagles offense. Uh, his snap share is at 60% uh, behind you know the, the starters ahead of him and Devonta Smith and Jalen Rager. Um, he was wide open for an easy touchdown pass late in the game on Sunday, and Jalen Hurts just didn't see him. It would be hard to put him in a starting lineup you know, ever right now, uh, but his in-season value would increase significantly if Rager or Smith got injured. And the way that Rager's just not you know, proving himself, it could be that in the years to come, Watkins could actually be better than Rager at this point. Uh, the jury's still out on that. So not a very good week on the waiver wire, but those are the three players that I would recommend. Finally, we'll close out the podcast. Uh, by talking about week five trades, as I say every week, trades are really hard to guard in a vacuum when you see one just posted on Twitter because you don't know what every team was doing. There's different roster construction. You don't know if you're a win-now team or, or a contending team or a, a rebuilding team. So what I do is I tell about the trades that happened in my leagues, but I analyze them from the perspective to give you what each owner I think was thinking uh, as part of their trade. Uh, it's early in the season, but we only had uh, just one one trade this week, and that was a pretty big one, though. A.J. Brown was traded for Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford, and Christian Kirk. Naturally, this is a one-quarterback league, but more on that in a second. A.J. Brown for Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford, and Christian Kirk. Man, it's pretty rare to see a three-for-one trade, but it took place in one of my leagues this week. The team that traded for Carr and Stafford just lost Russell Wilson, so they must have felt desperate you know, for a quarterback, even though uh, they had Kirk Cousins and Mac Jones on their rosters already. Uh, the team that traded for A.J. Brown has Aaron Rodgers and Joe Burrow, so they must have been willing to give up on the two quarterbacks in this trade. Uh, like I said, this is a one-quarterback league, and in a one-quarterback league, A.J. Brown definitely has the best dynasty value of these players involved in this trade. But this league is also transitioning to Superflex in 2023. Uh, given that's the case, I would instead have held on to the two quarterbacks. Uh, Stafford's undoubtedly going to be the starter for the Rams in 2023. Derek Carr will likely be the starter for the Raiders. Um, I love A.J. Brown. Um, even though I'm frustrated with the Titans offense, like I already told you. Um, I could see maybe trading away two quarterbacks for him in a one-quarterback league, but now that I know that this league is transitioning to a Superflex league in 2023, I would be kind of stockpiling those quarterbacks and so much prefer 
uh, the quarterback side of this trade, uh, given that transition to a super flex league. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, my freaky friends, thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. That's dynastyfreaks with two E's. Much better on email than Twitter, so email's the best way to contact me, dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. I'd be honored if you'd take time to rate and review uh, the podcast and Apple Podcasts. That would mean a lot to me. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.